Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Speaking to his flock in the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon, we join Archbishop Alexander Sample as he reflects upon our faith, culture, and life in the church on The Voice of the Shepherd. Joining Archbishop Sample is your host, Dina Marie Hale. And now, The Voice of the Shepherd. Welcome to The Voice of the Shepherd. I'm your host, Dina Marie Hale, and along with me is Archbishop Alexander Sample. And today we're going to discuss the beautiful feasts of all saints and all souls. And as we begin to remember those that have gone before us and to pray for those who have gone before us, Archbishop, would you please lead us in prayer? Yes, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Good and gracious God, you are the source of all goodness and of every blessing under the heavens. We thank you so much for the gift of new life you have given us in your son, Jesus, and how you have called us into a communion with one another, that we are one body in your son, Jesus Christ. We ask that you help us during these days of November to celebrate with great joy this great communion of saints, those that are in heaven and enjoy the beautiful vision of your face for all eternity. Those who are still undergoing their final preparation and purification for that glorious presence. And those of us still here on this earth, still part of this communion of saints as we continue to journey as pilgrims in this world toward our heavenly homeland. Help us to be built up into one as your son prayed. And all of this we ask through Christ our Lord. Amen. Holy Mary, our hope, seed of wisdom. Pray for us. St. Joseph. Pray for us. All you holy men and women. Pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Well, I'm so glad, Archbishop, you mentioned in this month of November, and it reminds me one of the things over the years that has been um, significant to me is walking into a church in the month of November and seeing somewhere this list of names of the men and women over the last year who have died in that parish community. And just that this is a month where we honor and remember our our most recently deceased. And maybe we can just open with that beautiful tradition. I didn't have that tradition growing up, growing up as a Lutheran. And so as I was introduced to this All Saints and All Souls feast, yeah. it really has been powerful to think about who in my own community have we lost in this last year and to remember them and to pray for them. Yes, you know, I think, and actually, you know, <clears throat> Nina Marie, that's that's a relatively recent tradition, um, or at least, you know, to put it on on some sort of, of uh, very visible uh, public display, the names of those who have died in the in the past year. But it is a very beautiful thing to do. That at All Souls Day, we remember all of our beloved dead, all those who have died, uh, and that you know we aren't certain. <laughs> are, are canonized saints that are saints in heaven. Um, we pray for all the deceased uh, that they uh, be finally ushered into God's holy presence. Uh, but this, this, this way of remembering, especially those who have died in the past years is especially important. And I think very poignant really for people. I remember at uh, our cathedral parish here of the Immaculate Conception, St. Mary's in, in Portland, uh, that first All Souls Day, 
after my mother died. And because, you know, I'd been seeing the, the, the banner that goes up uh, with the list of names every year. And to see my mother's name there uh, touched me very deeply that as we gather during the month of November and, and, and pray uh, that we're, we're remembering all of those, especially in the last year who have died. So it, it gave me comfort to know that, well, maybe there'll be a lot more people praying, you know, for my mom as I, and we all pray together for others on that list, but it's a beautiful loving tradition. Uh, I often say that many of us lose loved ones, especially family members, maybe parents, uh, and we have regrets, things unsaid, things undone. Love not fully shown. Uh, I know, I quite honestly have some of those regrets, especially after my father died. I was much, I think, going through that experience as a, as a young deacon at the time. I wasn't ordained a priest yet. Uh, I think having gone through it once, I was better prepared uh, when I went through it with my mother. Uh, so I took more advantage of that time, those final, well, months, weeks, and days but I, I had regrets in that regard with regard to my father that, you know, had I spent enough time with him, uh, did I express to him enough my love for him? Did I share with him, quite honestly, words of faith enough? Um, did I encourage him enough in that regard? So, yeah, I think uh, I had some regrets. But when we continue to pray for our, our, our loved ones who have died, when we offer the Holy Mass for them, when we make even sacrifices for them, those are all acts of love that we can continue to do for our loved ones beyond the grave. And they, they experience that love. They know that love. They know, you know what we uh, are doing for them. And you know, any uh, lingering resentments or anger or lack of forgiveness or hurt uh, woundedness that any of our loved ones felt in this life and maybe even from us, those are all gone now for them. They don't dwell on those things. Those things are healed uh, and are being healed. Uh, rather, they look on us with, with uh, you know, a new way. Uh, and so I think it's, it's, a, it's a two-way thing that, that we can continue to be in. I think the main thing is we're continuing to be in communion with them. You know, they haven't ceased to exist. <laughs> it's not mm -hmm. like when our loved ones die, they cease to be. They're still alive. They're very much alive. And in many ways, they're more alive than they ever were. And we just don't see them. And yet we can have that communion with them, a communion of love within the body of Christ, the church. So I, I just think it's a beautiful part uh, of our faith. And I find it personally very consoling. Right. And maybe you can give us a sense, Archbishop, because I think there could be some misunderstanding from people about um, uh, offering a mass for our loved ones, almost like we can buy our way into heaven. But that's not why we pray for the deceased or we offer these prayers. And I think over history, there may be some wondering, well, why does the Catholic Church do that? And, you know, once they're dead, isn't that over? But there, there's such... Uh, like you said, communion of saints, there's a purpose, uh, efficacious purpose in our prayer for the deceased, particularly in the mass. Yes. Well, I think that this is a, this is a huge misunderstanding, especially I think a lot of our Protestant friends um, do not understand the church's position, teaching, practice uh, around this. 
because they think that, well, wasn't the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross enough? You know, why do we need further prayers or sacrifices that, that we can offer for our loved ones? Well, they are correct that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the altar of the cross for our salvation was, was more, more than sufficient. Uh, it was the perfect uh, reparation for our sins. Uh, it was, it, there's nothing lacking in Christ's uh, passion, death, and resurrection for, the, for our salvation. So it, what, we, what we pray for the deceased for is, is not that, that they be uh, you know, freed from, from sin, uh, so that you know they can go to heaven. Jesus has forgiven their sins if they die, certainly in a state of grace. But our eternal punishment, if you will, for sin is 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 remitted, has been forgiven by Christ. So all of our sins deserve really uh, eternal separation from God. And we use words like damnation, but <laughs> those are words that don't speak very well to people today. So I to speak about as that eternal separation from God that is extremely painful uh, because we were made for that. That was the whole purpose for our, our creation was to be with God forever in heaven. We're made for eternity, and each of one of us is going to live forever. And that's something I like to remind people. Every single one of us is going to live forever and we don't have a say in that. We don't have a choice in that. That's how we are made. We are made with an immortal soul. Our soul cannot die. When we leave this world, as I say, we don't cease to exist. So we live on in eternity. And the, the, the eternal consequences for our sin, which would be eternal separation from God. I mean, to, can, I, I don't know. I I have a hard time sometimes imagining eternity in heaven, quite honestly. <laughs> and I think, wow, forever, forever. I'm never going to cease to exist. I'm never going to die in eternity. I'm going to live forever. That, that's, that's a hard thing to get my brain around. But what's even more hard and more terrifying to get my head around is, wow, if I'm going to live forever, do I want to live forever in separation from God in torment. Uh, wow, that's scary. But God created us in love and for love, and he created us to be with him forever, and he's merciful, and he gave us that forgiveness of, in Christ. So if we leave this world in that state of grace, reconciled to God, saved by his passion, death, and resurrection, eternal punishment is, is, is forgiven. Uh, we don't experience eternal punishment, but there are still consequences of our sins that that we need to make reparation for you know we don't get off so to speak scot-free you know when i hurt somebody else i do damage to them and i do damage to the body of christ because we're all one in, in the in the body of christ so there's a there's a justice to god's mercy as well he is merciful eternally merciful infinitely merciful that's why he sent his son to suffer and die for us was so that he could give us that mercy and forgiveness and, and welcome us into, he paid the price for our sins so he could welcome us into heaven. I mean, that's, that's incredible mercy, but God is just also. And our sins have consequences and in justice, we need to make reparations for the consequences of our sinfulness. For instance, if I, if I steal from someone, uh, let's say I steal a thousand dollars from someone and 
I go to confession and I confess that and I'm forgiven for that. I don't get to keep a thousand bucks. I have to make reparations. I have to restore the harm that has been done. And that's what, that's what purgatory is all about. That's what this, what we call temporal punishment for our sins is all about. It's not an eternal punishment. It's only for a time, but we have to make reparation for the harm that our sin has done. Now, in the body of Christ, in this great communion of saints, God has so arranged it so that we can help each other in this regard, so that those of us who are still walking our pilgrim journey on this earth can help our brothers and sisters who are undergoing that that purgation, we call it, that cleansing, that reparation for sin, and also the removing from all of our attachments to sin. Now, I don't know about you, Dina Marie. Maybe you're Maybe you're perfect. I, I think maybe you're perfect, but, <laughs> but I have a lot of attachments mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and, and I have some attachments to sin and I need to be, I need to let go of those. I need to let any strings, any hold that sin has on me to be finally cleansed away from me and purified in me. And that's what purgatory is about. But the beautiful thing is we can help each other out of love for us. God allows us to do this. So, when I offer a mass for somebody, I'm just asking God through that act to apply that, the, the merits of that mass to my loved one or to whoever I'm offering that mass for so that that remission of temporal punishment can be reduced uh, so that that or that should can be partially remitted so that I can help them. I can sacrifice for them. I mean, isn't that a beautiful thing? Mm-hmm. What parent, what parent wouldn't take on suffering for their children in order to spare their children's suffering. I mean, think about that. Well, I mean, I know parents do that all the time. They make sacrifices and, 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 and embrace willingly suffering in order for the good of their children, in order to spare their children. Um, this is what we do. We, we can take on some suffering. We can make sacrifices. We can offer prayers in the mass and, and our penances and, and our devotions and our fasting. Uh, as a way of taking on ourselves some of that punishment uh, and reparation that needs to be made for the sins of our loved ones. I mean, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing and a great loving act. And so that's what we do on All Souls Day and really throughout the, the month of November, the month of All Souls. Yeah. And and Archbishop, because we begin this month with All Saints Day, and I've had the pleasure for about 20 years to be at All Saints Church. So it was always something we would look forward to is to see the young children select a saint and study about that saint. And, you know, what was very special or unique about this particular uh, man or woman in history? And so the saints can be, and I think that's what we call them to be, our companions. They're part of the communion of saints. Maybe give us a sense of how we can connect with the saints during the month of November to help us in making those reparations, making Mm -hmm. those prayers, and really thinking about those who need our prayers most. Yeah. First, first, I got to tell a quick, uh, a quick, cute story about All Saints Parish here in in Portland. I I was invited. uh, It was into the third graders, I think, that dress up Mm -hmm. in All the Saints. uh, It's kind of their third grade tradition. So I went to the All Saints Mass at All Saints Parish. Kids were all dressed up. And there were a couple of little boys dressed up as uh, Pope St. John Paul II. I was scanning the the crowd thinking, well, somebody must be dressed up like St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. And I didn't see anybody. I said, well, I see St. John Paul II. And I was talking about the saints of our own time, more recent saints. I said, I don't. I said, well, where's Mother Teresa? 
And one of the little kids raised her hand. And he said, she's homesick. <laughs> <laughs> so one of the little girls was going to be the uh, Mother Teresa, but she ended up being sick that day. No, I think, you know, we rejoice in, in the victory that the saints have won uh, and, and that enjoy God's presence now forever in heaven. You know, we have the canonized saints of the church, those that the church formally have recognized, has recognized as being saints in heaven. Uh, those on, on, the, on the Roman calendar, on the, on the calendar of the church's liturgical year, those in the Roman martyrology, those who are on the official roles, if you will, of the saints, those who have been canonized and recognized by the church. But there are many other saints in heaven that we don't know for sure are saints in heaven. I, I, you know, maybe some of our loved ones are now in heaven rather than in purgatory. We don't know. Uh, we won't know till we get there ourselves. If we do, pray God in his mercy and love. But, you know, we, we rejoice in their victory. They have, as St. Paul says, they have fought the good fight. They have run uh, the race. They have kept the faith. And now a glorious crown awaits them in the kingdom of heaven, not a crown of leaves uh, that withers and fades, as St. Paul says, but that imperishable crown of eternal glory. And so we celebrate that in them. It's like, it's like celebrating the great accomplishments of, of family members that we love. You know, when, when somebody in our family achieves some great accomplishment, don't we all celebrate that and we rejoice in that? And if we don't, if we're jealous and envious, well, there's, there's something we need to work on. And so we rejoice in their victory, that they, they, are, they, have, they have remained faithful, and, and we can celebrate that in the saints. So they're, they're there for us as an example of what awaits us, as a sign, really, as a sign of what awaits up, a great sign of hope. Uh, when we look to the saints in heaven, it's a reminder to all of us of what awaits us, what God intends for us, what we were made for. So they stand as that constant reminder. And so during the month of November, especially in All, all Saints Day, we rejoice uh, in the communion of the saints in heaven uh, because they, they inspire us on and, and to, to see what awaits us. Secondly, they are an example of their, their lives are an example, their lives in this world. I mean, their, their life in heaven now is a sign uh, of hope for us, of what awaits us. Their life on earth is an example for us to imitate. Uh, we, we can take things from the lives of the saints that inspire us to live our lives uh, in a more holy way. I mean, I, I, I hope we all have our favorite saints. I certainly have my favorite saints. And it's, 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 it's mainly because of their life that I rejoice in them and I feel particularly close to them and I admire them and I, and I have a devotion to them. Uh, not just because they're in heaven, but because of their life on earth that inspires me and, and calls me to be a better disciple, calls me to be more faithful to Christ, show me the way that I too can grow in holiness and achieve that, that sanctity that, that God wants for all of us. And third, they pray for us. They're our friends. Mm -hmm. I, this is the part that I love. They're, my, they're our friends, they want us to join them. They're spurring us on. They're like our cheerleaders in heaven, you know, kind of, come on, you can do it. Uh, you can make it. And they pray for us. They intercede for us and obtain grace from God for us. Now, it's important we realize we don't pray to the saints as if they are little sort of uh, mini gods that have power of their own 
to grant and bestow grace upon us, but rather they intercede for us with our, our God in heaven. You know, we, uh, we say this all the time so that we're not misunderstood by our Protestant brothers and sisters. We're not, we're asking them to pray for us. We pr- ask each other to pray uh, for one another all the time. I don't know. I can't count how many times in a week somebody asks me to pray for them, or I promise to pray for them. Well, that's all our brothers and sisters in heaven are doing. They're praying for us. But wow, what a seat from which to pray for us. They're beholding the face of God, for heaven's sake. They see God face to face. They're right there. And I want powerful friends praying for me in the presence of, of the Lord, especially our blessed mother. Uh, but we have, we have, but they're, so they're our friends uh, and they're, 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 they, they're, they intercede for us. They really care about us. They really sincerely care that we get to be with them, that we achieve faith's goal, our salvation. And we have special friends. I know in recent uh, months, St. Therese of Lisieux, the, the little flower, uh, St. Therese of the child Jesus and the Holy Face, She's she's let her she's let me know that she's a special friend of mine. She she I she always has been in my mind anyway. But she's kind of confirmed that in a very powerful way. She's confirmed that hey, I'm your friend. I'm praying for you, and I'm praying for your priest. So, as Saint John Paul II, he's another big prayer partner for me right now in the work that I'm trying to do here in this local church. Of course, our Blessed Mother and, and Saint Joseph. I I, I could uh, I could go on and on and on. I got a lot of favorite saints. But anyway. That's what the saints mean for us. And so I think we just need to foster the friendship, foster, learn about them, read about them, read about the lives of the saints. You want to be inspired? You want to be inspired? Turn off the doggone TV and pick up a book about a saint. Or if you're going to watch TV, watch some of the glorious stories of the lives of the saints that are out there. If you want to really be inspired, that's that's where uh, we should look to. Uh, So, yeah, read about them, learn about them foster that friendship, and then be inspired by them. Right. Absolutely. And I always get inspired at a baptism because there's that litany of the saints and all of these different saints, and they might be particular ones that are special to that family as they're dedicating and bringing that child into the Christian family that we say, pray for us, you know, St. Catherine, pray for us, St. Michael, pray for us. And I think, oh, they're here. They're here in the context of this mass. They are part of the family that wants to bring us home. They know where to go. And and that's part of our tradition is to ask those saints to pray for us. And so what an absolute gift, you know, as we approach this month of November, Archbishop, maybe just how we can really utilize this time for ourselves and our own salvation, right? For our souls, but for the souls of those who have gone before us. And I think most importantly, those who have no one to pray for. You know, yeah. those who do not have a family member to pray for, will we remember them and the, the poor souls? I think we call them in purgatory. Yeah, uh, we don't we don't hear that terminology as often as we used to the poor souls in purgatory. And by the poor souls, we of course, we meant all of them who are undergoing that purification, which is, you know, there's some there's some pain associated with that as we are purified and cleansed. I, I often think about. You know, I've used this image before. If we've lived in darkness, let's say we've lived in, the, in a dark cave and our eyes have, have not been accustomed to the light, you can't just bring us out 
into the bright sunshine, uh, you know, it would be too painful for us. So we are gradually introduced to the light. And I think that's what, you know, purgatory sort of does for it. It gradually introduces us into the light of eternity, the light of God's face. But I think that, you know, we, we need to uh, really see that our communion with them is, is, a, is a great gift. And, and so during the month of November, you know, we can do things like uh, remember them at Mass, uh, but uh, remember them by visiting cemeteries. Uh, there's a great grace in visiting the graves of our, of our beloved dead. But especially for those, as you say, who have no one to pray for them. You know, the, the, the poor, of the poor souls in purgatory, the poorest are those that are forgotten. What, you know, what if, think of the people who, who die and who leave no family behind, who maybe didn't, had very few or maybe no friends. Nobody's praying for them. Nobody's sacrificing for them. So we need to have a special love for them. They are the, you know, as Pope Francis speaks a lot about the, those on the peripheries, those in the margins. Well, in, in many ways, these are in the spiritual margins, you know, the forgotten. And so we can, we can offer special prayers and, 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 and sacrifices for those unknown. And I think, I think that's what Our Lady meant when she gave to the children of Fatima, you know, that prayer that we say at the end of each decade of the rosary, the Fatima prayer, we call it, you know, that we pray for those in most need of his mercy. And, you know, certainly that applies to people in the world today. I, I sometimes think I'm one of those that is in most in need of God's mercy. But there are those in purgatory who are most in need of God's mercy. And so we, we pray especially for them. It is a beautiful time to remember our loved ones, to pray, and to, to go to Holy Mass. And I think your invitation, Archbishop, to visit a cemetery, visit a local cemetery. If your parish is fortunate enough to have your own cemetery, but we've got Mount Calvary, we've got Gethsemane. I know in Eugene, uh, our, our churches have beautiful cemeteries to visit to pray the chaplet of divine mercy, maybe a rosary for those loved ones, and to really allow the communion of saints to set this world on fire. So thank you so much for your encouragement during this month of November. And I'd ask you to help us close with your blessing. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit come down upon all of you, your families and loved ones, and be with you this day and forever. Amen. And thank you for joining us on this edition of The Voice of the Shepherd. We look forward to sharing with you again next week. For Archbishop Alexander Sample, I'm Dina Marie Hale. Until our next encounter, may you have a blessed week. You've been listening to The Voice of the Shepherd with Archbishop Alexander Sample, a production of the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon. To subscribe to this podcast and access to all of our past shows, visit moderndayradio.com. Please email your comments and questions for the show to info at archdpdx.org. Learn more about the Archdiocese of Portland in Oregon online at archdpdx.org. Peace be with you.